This week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Um, this week, we are finally getting around to talking about the second half of season one of Counterpart. I think we started this quite a while ago, probably six, seven weeks ago, maybe even more. Um, yeah, and I mean, I guess the interesting thing is that I think we all watched this probably four or five weeks ago, and just because of all these interesting films that have come out, we've ended up talking about the interesting films and haven't got got around to sort of finishing off counterparts. So tonight I'm joined by my usual crew of Maggie, Anija, and Gerald. Say hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, everybody. And we are tonight going to finish things off and talk about the second half of the season one of Counterpart. This is a full spoilers podcast. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, so first things first, I do not really fully remember what happened in the second half of season one and <laughs> I don't know if that says something and I think maybe we're going to have a chat about that later on but yeah. Anija has handily got a summary in front of her so Anija is going to brief us all on what happened so we can jog our memories here <laughs> so where we end in uh, at the end of episode 10 is that the two Howards have swapped worlds and the door between the worlds has closed. Um, Howard Prime has a second chance at a relationship with Emily, his um, his partner. Howard Alpha has realised that the woman he loves, his Emily, is in the Alpha world and the woman that he's kind of forged some kind of relationship with, um, Emily, uh, Emily Prime, and, and even the child that he's got in the Prime world are no substitutes for the woman that he loves. Um, Baldwin is finally free. She is no longer a contract killer, no longer obliged to do anything, um, and it's not clear if we'll see her again. Um, Emily Prime is in love with Howard Alpha. Peter Quayle and Claire have reconciled with the idea that they're not each other's ideal choices, but that the relationship they have is real, and certainly that the bond they have as parents is very real, and they're better off throwing in their hats with each other than going in alone, which, to be honest, doesn't make that much sense, given that Peter Quayle knows that Claire's cohort back in the Prime world have hatched a plan to pretty much destroy the Alpha world, which is where Peter Peter and Claire now live. Um, so a plan to wreak destruction um, on the Alpha world is underway. We're not clear exactly what it's going to involve beyond the fact that a massacre was carried out at Alpha headquarters and as a result of the massacre, the door between the worlds has closed. But we know that the massacre is only the beginning. And that's pretty much where it all ends. Yeah, and to the point about the door between the worlds closing, this is not some sort of metaphorical or magical thing. It's literally steel doors have come come down, and the access. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, this is, yeah, this is not like ooh, like magic portals have ceased to exist. It's literal steel doors across the both like, metaphorical and literal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> both. yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like. Why don't we give our impressions first? Um, that's jogged my memory. Thank you so much, Anija, for okay. giving us a summary of where we're at. Um, 
Why don't we just give out sort of impressions of where we we what we felt about the the second half of this season one, and then we can circle back and you know talk about a few points of interest. Um, uh, why don't I start? Um, I, look, uh, when I watched this, um, when I when I when I was actually watching this, I I enjoyed it, but it definitely felt less. Um, I felt like the first half of the season was much more thematic and metaphorical, I guess, and the second half of the season kind of just went full spy, um, spy games style show, right? Which was fine because, from a plot perspective, I felt there was more in terms of plot because you have this whole plot of the prime world and you know trying to figure out what sort of game they're trying to play, why they're sending all these covert operatives into the alpha world, um, and then you have the spy game aspect of, well, like, you know, like you, you figure out that they're raising these operatives in this sort of special sort of assassin school sort of thing, and um, so, like, there's a, there's a lot more of the, that, that sort of sort of spy games plot thing, which keeps things moving along, which I thought was one of the issues with the first part of the season. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting, but um, I also felt that thematically, like it, it was a, it kind of did a little bit of a about turn. Where in the first half of the season, I think we were talking about this convergence of identities, you know, like the convergence of Howard Prime and Howard Alpha. Are they separate people? Are they really the same people and that sort of thing? I, I think the second half of the season kind of basically establishes that you know, actually, even though all these people kind of look alike, they're genuinely just separate people. And it does so basically by saying, well, well, let's put these people in situations where their survival is at stake and let's see if, like, what do they do, right? And the moment one's personal survival is at stake, allegiances, everything just completely goes out the window, right? And you are purely there for yourself. It doesn't matter if there is someone else who looks like you, acts like you, doesn't matter, right? Everybody starts basically shooting for themselves, um, I, which I thought was interesting, but um, I guess maybe thematically not as... Um, well, maybe thematically is not the right word, but like not as beautiful of a metaphor, <laughs> I guess, as the first season was. Um, yeah, so that, that was kind of where... I ended. I, I definitely felt like um, I, I I I I thought that the Quail and Claire thing was a little bit weird. Um, mm. I didn't fully really understand why Quail kind of did what he did. Um, yeah, and you know, like yeah, I I guess those are kind of like my general thoughts. Um, well, I guess, Darren, like, if you found out today that Mags was not Mags, but some evil twin of Mags, and there was no actual Mags, she'd been, who knows where actual Mags is, would you still, like, love her? Well, I mean, yeah. And so I guess Quail's, that's an interesting question, right? And I, I guess this is one of these things that Quail is battling with, right? Because Quail keeps asking Claire, well, at what point did you actually take over my mm. wife, which in yeah. hindsight, now that you talk about it, is basically him trying to establish, well, how long did I actually really have a relationship with this person? Um, yeah. Right? Like, I, I guess his view is kind of like, if it goes back far enough, maybe it's okay. It's but real. Then, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then ultimately, it's like, I mean, there is that aspect, but ultimately what binds them is their child, right? 
would I be wrong in saying that? Like, that's my sense, right? That really, it's a concept, it's basically, they feel like for the survival of, they survive, will have a higher chance of survival together than as individuals. Um, and the child is like an extra piece that kind of binds those two characters together. I think there's more than the child, but there is the child as well. And the reason I think there's more than the child is that they don't really focus that much. They don't really say, we've got this child, we've got to put her first, mm. you know. Um, I think they have something there. They they, mm. they have come to care for each other, and they mm. do feel like in some way they're partners, even mm. though they've been lying to each other the whole time. Mm. Um, I actually think um, it says something, this show says something quite interesting about marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here we go. <laughs> and that's an example of it, you know, of that idea that you can have you can have betrayals in marriage, you can have conflict, you can have your, your separate interests and so on, but ultimately um, you know that you are better off helping each other, working towards something together and staying a team than going your separate ways and that you are stronger as a whole. And I think you see that with them and you see it with... Emily and Howard, both Alpha and Prime. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Like, the, the show does make a point of, um, like, because Howard has that, like, you know when Howard confronts himself in the, um, when they do, so there's a scene, basically, where the two Howards need to exchange information. So, um, it's actually quite a clever scene in hindsight, where in the first episode of the season, Howard is seen going into a room, you know, like, he's doing all these actions that he doesn't really understand why he's doing, gets changed into a suit, goes through all this ritual to get into this sort of room, and then he reads a piece of paper that doesn't make sense to this other guy on the other side of the glass, and then they leave, right? And no one really knows what's going on. And then towards the end of this season, there's a, there's a scene where Howard goes in to meet himself, right? And it's the same set of rooms. And at that point, you kind of realize, oh, okay, what Howard has actually been doing has been passing messages between the sides, right? Because it's a room that's kind of built on the border of the two, two kind of realities. Um, and that's, I, I think that's a pivotal scene because, um, you know, they have that argument and basically Howard Alpha's view is that Howard Prime doesn't know how to love selflessly, right? But it... it and it, it, it's kind of like... It sort of goes into this point of relationships and, you know, like, is... But I guess for me, when I heard that, one of the things that I, I wasn't 100% sure on was, is the show trying to say that the only way you can love selflessly is by just ignoring the faults of your partner? I, I don't know. I, like, w what were you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I don't think you can love selflessly, right? So yeah. you, you, you're, you're always loving for a reason. And Howard Alpha loves Emily, notwithstanding her uh, betrayals, because he gets... Because because he gets something out of loving her, right? It, it's it's that relationship means the world to him, notwithstanding the betrayals. Um, he loves her, um, so I don't really think it. You know, I think I always think the idea of loving selflessly is extremely misleading, and mm. that it's never done. Yeah, mm. I mean, the only reason I said that is because he actually says that in the mm. in the show, and I guess for me, when I heard it, on some level, it 
seems quite beautiful at like the initial glance, but when I kind of like delved into it a little bit, I, I was trying to understand whether the show was trying to make a point of well, maybe that's a little bit misguided, right? Or mm-hmm. and yeah, I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure where the show landed on that point. Um, but I mean, but the show definitely has. It definitely explores this aspect of flawed relationships and whether it makes sense to kind of stay in them or not, right? I'm just Mm. not entirely sure what that final message was, and maybe it's not meant to be didactic like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they reach a conclusion, though, because you know how when... um, So one of the um, points in the the story is um, after Peter finds out that Claire's actually the um, Claire Prime, not Claire Alpha... um, and uh, he has to go into the office um, one day and she warns him not to because that's the day when Project mm. kick off. And so he manufactures a car accident. Um, and when she gets home, she calls her mum, her fake mum, or her, I guess the mum of, Pri- of Claire Alpha, and they have a, rela- um, a conversation about marriage. And her mother says to her, you know, that I, I also, you know, I didn't... Um, marry your father out of love um but i grew to love him and part of the and the advice she gave her was um you know cook dinner wear makeup get your fancy dress on and pretend that everything is okay and before you know it it will be okay fake it till you make it yeah yeah ambiguous whether or not um that means that you do actually love them or that you just have to accept the situation you're in and make the best of it. Mm. Um, and what I think is, I find that this Peter Claire, um, this twist in their relationship frustrating, but also really interesting because it sets up a whole lot of questions for the next season. Cause the question for me on Claire's side is, is she still really committed to project Indigo? Um, and is she just such an effective manipulator of him? Um, because she's gotten to know him so well, is she just a survivalist, or do, or is he actually part of a bigger game, a big, a bigger sort of puzzle that she knows um, the moves to, but he doesn't? So I thought that was quite. It's quite an interesting um, setup that they have for for next season. Max, have you ever thought that Claire is was has ever been actually very committed to Project Indigo? Because it, it's always seemed like she just goes along with it. Yeah, you and it, yeah, I've sort of questioned it because on the one hand, I think, well, she's been she'd been with that school for almost her whole life, um, and then when she came, you know, went to um, Alpha World. Um, and she had to kill herself, there was a moment of hesitation there. Um, yeah. And then throughout the first half of the series, when she's talking to, um, what's her name again, uh, Baldwin, um, you start to get a sense of sort of a fractured sense of purpose. And it's almost like she's been seduced by her life in Alpha, but also seduced by the world itself as well. And yeah. the idea of being um, a mother. So I, I don't know. I, it, I think that's really – I find that quite ambiguous because she still continues to play the role. If she was um, less yeah. committed, then she wouldn't have, like, reached for the phone for Baldwin, got in contact with the ambassador um, yeah. and spoke to him. So I think there is still the, the semblance of that, but that might start to fracture as – 
she and Peter start to have, I guess, a more real relationship now because she he knows her true identity. Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I, I kind of feel like in the second half of the season, like the Claire... Um, the Claire Quayle relationship and Quayle as a character, like it becomes much more interesting, right? In some ways, the whole Howard thing is kind of still interesting, but like from a human perspective, is is not as interesting as the Quayle Claire relationship. And it was interesting what you when you guys were talking just then. This, um, you know, like it made me remember that line that you know Claire's mum says to her, which is like you kind of just like fake it till you make it um Mm. and it's it's kind of in some ways if you think about it it's linked to this theme of survival which is kind of just like well you know like it's just an element of the survival right it's it's an element of yeah so um it's also it's it's also actually a therapeutic technique which mm. is that you know if you behave a certain way long enough even though your heart's not in it and your head's not in it but if you behave that way consistently long enough eventually your thoughts your feelings and your heart actually catches up to the behavior and start shifting to match the behavior mm. um not all the time 100 percent of the time for everybody mm. but many times mm. um yeah yeah interesting um, any other thoughts, guys? Jez? Look, I, I thought I would just uh, chip in with impressions of the season generally. Yeah. Um, I thought it was... Look, more, it was more satisfying than not, but there were still aspects of it that left me wondering what was going on or somewhat inco- unconvinced. For instance... Uh, to this day, I, I'm still not persuaded, or I don't understand why uh, Howard Prime would want to be in the Alpha world. Um, it just seems to me odd uh, that he would want the life of Howard Alpha. Um, he's he's kick-ass in his world. He's very he's a very skilled um, espionage operative, um, and you know to live in the world of uh, Alpha in circumstances where, um, you know, Alpha's life is completely drab or seemingly or, or comparatively drab just seems it, it seems odd that the motivation um, for Prime to want to live in Alpha's world is, is ambiguous. Maybe we find out more about it in, se- in season two, but it just seems uh, it just seems weird and inexplicable. Uh, isn't, um, isn't the isn't his motivation more that he has no choice because yeah. he's being hunted? I don't think so. I think, you know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to um, turn up at Emily's bedside in order to read poetry. I mean, sure, he's got to make an appearance in that particular hospital every day in order to convince people that he is Howard Alpha, but he doesn't, he, he just, he, it's sufficient for him just to, just to turn up there and sit there and, you know, play with his iPhone. But he turns up there and he, and he sits next to her bed and he reads the poetry and that's the concluding scene of the entire season. And you're like, well, yeah. why exactly is he doing that? And yeah. it, it just seems to me passing strange. It's just, it's not, it's not, there's no proper explanation given for it. Okay. Jared, and, what um, is wrong with you? Jared, <laughs> you're supposed to be a romantic. It is fucking obvious. Okay, can I please... Can yeah, I please, he, please he, he, he is not romantic. He is not romantic. No, no, Howard no. Still, Howard Alpha is romantic. 
Howard Prime is a ruthless killer. Can but I he's not, though. No, no, go, I, Anna, I, Joe, go. I, I need to have my say here. Go, 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 in, go, in, go. In the first part of the season, the main question that arose for me is, are the Howards ultimately the same person and just a different choice took them in different directions? So the choice not to forgive Emily or versus the choice to forgive Emily just took them in completely different directions. Were they actually always the same person and just that choice diverged the path? Or are they just... Have they just been completely different people all along? And the answer is they were always the same person. The choice just took them on different paths. And now Howard Prime has seen what it would have been like if he'd made a different choice. And his heart wants that. But he's reconciled with the fact that, look, he made a different choice and he has the life he wants. He's a bit bitter about it. He's angry at Howard Alpha all the time. He's got massive resentment and anger towards Howard Alpha. Um, And I think that in 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 the second half, Howard Prime actually does think he's got no choice but to stay in the Alpha world. That's not something he wants. He gets stuck there. But when he realizes that Howard Alpha is stuck in the Prime world and Howard Prime is stuck in the Alpha world, he has the light bulb go off that, oh, my God, I can undo the past. I can go back and I can take over that life I would have had if I'd made a different choice that I've now had a glimpse into. I can have that love with this woman that I love that I didn't destroy over the years. And you know what? This man that I've always made fun of, that I've said was weak, that I've said was pathetic, because the whole time I've been angry at what he's got, well, now I can go and I can have that and no one's going to see it. No one's going to mock me for it. I can just go take it. And I think, it, it, yeah, it just shows they always were the same person. And when Baldwin says to, to Howard, um, Howard Prime, so this is where you meet, she says that to him, referring to Emily. You know, this is where the two Howards meet. And it's very poetic because Emily is also where they diverge to begin with. Mm. So I, I, to me, it's obvious. Gerald, where's the romantic in you? No, no there's, plenty, there's, plenty, there's plenty of romantic in me. I just, don't, I just didn't see any of it in Howard Prime. And I think, I think, I think the, the attempt to shoehorn it uh, into his character at the end of the season is, is somewhat jarring. The other thing, that, the other thing that's um, a bit less than satisfying about the season, I think, was the story of Baldwin. Um, you know, it's just sort of stuck out there like a bit of a blancmange. And, um, yes, it resolved, but at the same time, it, I, I would struggle to say that it tied neatly with the rest of the show. Her story was so dis- discreet. The story of her meeting this, meeting this girl, forming the beginnings of a relationship, yes, I think, you know, perhaps it, it mirrors the the broader thematic concerns of the show um, as regards relationships. So the idea that, you know, these people ultimately um, find relationships very difficult or find them to be emotional minefields, Quail and Claire, both the Howards and both the Emilys, and finally Nadia or Baldwin with, with, um, with her um, burgeoning love interest in the show. But at the same time, it, it just, it just sort of stuck out like a sore thumb because as a matter of plotting, it didn't feel connected with the rest of the show. Uh, it, it felt like a, a, a little sort of five-minute snippet of another show that had been snuck into Counterpart every so often. And whilst it was sort of well-acted and um, convincingly um, put together, 
it, it didn't tie in with the rest of the show sufficiently to um, make the transition to the story of Baldwin from time to time seamless. So it just kind of stuck out. Yeah. Um, I, I would 100% agree with that. I felt the Baldwin story story was less compelling than the other storylines. And um, I kind of felt like, from a plot perspective, they just needed to keep her around because they needed her for that final... Um, basically the rerun of the hospital scene at the end of the se- season, right? Where she caps... Um, yeah. yeah so. I feel like and they whilst, do whilst that. The whilst the actress is very good, there was a part of me that was thinking to myself, can someone that tortured really be at the same time that competent? Um, but ma- that, that's maybe just... Maybe, maybe that's just, you know, sort of a frivolous concern on my part. The, the, the final thing that, that I want to say is perhaps a bit lacking in the show is... For much of the show's run, the world building seems really good, and then there are just bits of it that aren't sufficiently fleshed out. For instance, why is management just a, a disembodied voice played yeah. on a? What's going on there? What, what what is what is management, <laughs> and yeah. why why does management communicate with the rest of the building in this way? Uh, that, <laughs> there, was, there was no real reason for it, um, <laughs> except that. It didn't even look cool. It just looked stupid. It'd be one thing if it looked cool, but but it just it just looked and seemed utterly stupid. And you just sort of sit there scratching your head, thinking, "Oh, what's the point of this?" They just um, wanted another mystery, didn't they? And it was silly. Yeah, they wanted it. Oh, so, so that's really interesting that you reacted in that way to that scene because I actually love that scene because I, I thought it. Because all through, okay, so, you know, if you think about it, at the beginning of the season, you kind of have this really way out there sci-fi premise, and then all throughout the season, they just keep pairing that back, right? Where towards, like, the end of the season, it it doesn't really feel like sci-fi anymore, it just feels like a standard spy film, right? And then the only bit when it starts going back into sci-fi, and when it kind of starts sort of going, oh, wait, hang on, maybe this is not everything is not as it seems, is when they have that management scene, right? So I loved it because it, it felt like sort of aligned to that crazy Kafkaesque world that was established at the beginning. And they're kind of like trying to bring it back because all through the um, season, they've kind of been dampening it down with the mundane, but then it's kind of like, hang on, this is not actually mundane. There's more to this than you, you're actually aware of, right? Um, absolutely. It's, it's super weird. And the way management reacted, it almost, in my mind, it felt like that management was actually aware of what was going on on both sides. And they were, yeah. it was like this God complex thing and they were just playing oh. games with both sides, right? So I don't know who management is, but it feels like almost something supernatural, which is like basically going, you guys are idiots. You guys are idiots. I'm so happy that this is happening. I'm going to put Quail in charge now. Oh, right. I like that. Yeah. So I didn't Look, I see saying... that. That's that's great, right? Like, and also, Darren, I think you are actually really perceptive with this show. Like last, like this last time we did a podcast, and you pointed out that Howard Alpha knew all along that he was having, he was playing that game with the dude who was having the affair over Emily, and that he knew all that stuff, and we didn't really realize that. Um, and I think you're right. Maybe management does like 
is playing both sides. But I think the reason why Gerald and I and people, like ex-Lost fans, might find yes. scenes like that really <laughs> annoying is that we worry that that can't be, you can't make sense of that in the end and they're setting us up for bullshit. But the way you've put it, that management is playing both sides, is really interesting. Look, I think it would be really interesting if, for instance, there was one management team yep. across yep. both worlds and they were just fucking with everyone. But Darren's suggesting quite, that, yeah. That would, no, no, I, I don't know whether Darren's suggesting one management teams or two management teams consulting it, but if, it was, if management was the same, was if there was just one unified management team, yeah. that would be kind of interesting. Yeah. I, 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 look, I can sort of see why, what they're doing when they're presenting management in this way because one of the things we get from a lot of, um, a lot of spy fiction, particularly the spy fiction of Lacare, is Spies are individuals who have devoted themselves to a cause in circumstances where they've forgotten what that cause is because the people who are their puppet masters eventually don't give a shit about them and don't explain to them the meaning of the lives they're leading. And so the fact that management is unseen, unheard, and unwilling to explain itself is is taking that idea and exaggerating it and making it very obvious. Now, it's a bit on the nose the way, the way management is presented in this show because we can't – we look – we know we've read enough Le Carre, we've seen enough spy movies to know that the the real puppet masters behind the 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 protagonists in these stories are you know sort of Olympian and completely indifferent in the matter of Greek gods to the fate of the people whose lives they set in train. And so I understand why 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 they would present management in this way, but it's so obvious, it's so on the nose. The only thing I think that could redeem it is if there was one management team that was sort of capriciously fucking around with people, but at the same time, one has to ask, well, why would why would they do that? Um, so that was look, that was that that was a that was a sort of that was a jarring note, and I think I would like I would still like to learn more about um, the uh, the flu that wiped out the large large swathes of the of the alpha of the alpha of the prime world. I'm sorry because. Um, Whilst the 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 show is very atmospheric, it it is um, it it has a great mood and a great sense of tone about it. Um, the thing that's sort of missing, I think, is the is the prehistory of of the world, and maybe we're not meant to find out about it until later in the show's run. But um, the fact that these elements remain still so ambiguous, you know, why is there a faction within Prime World that's so that's so convinced that it was the alpha world that unleashed the flu on them. And what, what is it that that's, what is it that's caused them to feel this degree of antagonism and this degree of say separation from the rest of the prime world to, to launch this covert operation, all these things, you know, and I appreciate that, you know, shows have to maintain a degree of mystery, but maybe it is the traumatized lost fan in me, but um, these things all, you know, sort of send out red flags to me. Look, and I agree, right? Like, in my mind, there is no clear... Like, I don't necessarily know how they're going to resolve that management thing. I, I Like, the sense that I did get when I was watching it was that, like, it was... Like, I mean, one of my hypotheses absolutely was that it, there's only one team and they're just fucking with everyone, basically, right? Um, because there is that great scene where Quail is sitting there and he's got no fucking idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden, they're just saying... Oh, you, you're, you know what's going on. You're in charge now. And it's like, yeah. it's a great moment because Quail has no idea what's going on and he's just 
faking it, basically, right? Like, it's... Yeah, Quail as a character is, like, both... You can both sympathise for him, and you all can also hate him simultaneously. I think he's a really, like, really interesting character, actually, right? Like, so, um... Yeah. Um, I never sympathise with him. I find him despicable. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't help that you told me he was a series because now there's... Oh. <laughs> but can I say, I think one interesting thing is um, what I do like about the show, which, well, two things. One, look, I actually think this show's gone a bit downhill, but I will forever be with it because I am mesmerised by J.K. Simmons and mm. always will be just his acting. But the thing that I do find interesting, um, you know when, um, you know how those three people have replaced, three people from Prime World have replaced the three people from Alpha World and they're the ones who perpetuate the massacre at the headquarters. Mm. Um, there's a point where Baldwin comes in and talks to the assassins and one of them says, did he struggle or did he fight? And he's he's talking about his other, um, mm. when his other was killed, did he struggle or fight? And it was, it's just really interesting, right? Like, this idea of how would you react if you were being killed? Like, would mm. you put up a fight? Would you go... Like, the curiosity behind that, mm. um, I think... And I just think the idea of having an other and how you feel about that is just so... It's such a mind-blowing question, right? Because mm. I actually think it makes perfect sense to be terrified of your other. Like, mm. someone who was you and now has a whole different world that's different and different life that's different to yours, which could be better in some respects or not. It just, it's just a different person now. I actually think that idea is absolutely terrifying. Mm. Um, and so, to the extent they continue to explore bits and pieces of that, I really like it. Mm. Can I just say, that, that, that actually shows up how much of a completely, how much, perhaps even, perhaps reluctantly, but how much of a badass Claire is, because Claire is the only person in the show who kills her another. Yeah. 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 Baldwin Baldwin can't do it. Baldwin is ordered to do it, but she can't do it. Um, And and she's traumatized when she sees her other die in front of her. Claire is is dead inside. Claire's a survivor. No, and this is why I can't... Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. I just think she's dead. She's dead inside, dead in the soul, dead behind the eyes, and that's why she can survive so well. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, because I, I, my, my take on it is that, basically, she has just gone into survival mode, right? Like, her view is that, well, I want to make sure that I survive, and even though that other person looks like me, they're not me. So, mm. I, like... Yeah. Yeah, because Mags touched on this last last time we talked about this show, because we kept talking about the convergence of characters and how, like, they're the same. And, like, in some ways they are the same, but basically, like, you know, when push comes to shove, when there are two separate individuals, even if you look identical, uh, I think where this show kind of lands in the end is kind of, well, you're still going to want to survive, no matter, like whether, like, if you're put in a cage with someone who looks exactly like you, it doesn't matter that they look exactly like you. You're still going to do whatever it takes to kind of survive, right? Um, But isn't it, like, two branches of a tree? Like, they were the same, and now they've diverged. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But they're they're actually different branches now, right? So one branch is like, I don't actually care if this other branch exists or not. I don't care if we came from the same root. 
I just want to make it sure that it can't be the solution, right? It yeah. just can't. Imagine if two branches of a tree kept trying to fight each other. It just couldn't be good for the tree. <laughs> like, like it can't be good for them in the end that they yeah. see each other as enemies. Yeah, but I think Claire is basically in such a state of mind that she kind of just is just like, well, I I don't really need to think about the um, metaphysical aspect of this. It's just survival. I just, I just have to do it, right? And I think a lot there of there is not a philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think by the yeah. end of the season, pretty much everybody is in that situation, right? Like everybody basically is just like, well, I'm here, so I just have to. I, I need to roll with punches a little bit, right? So, um, but it's no interesting one... because the only one who did try to fight is Howard Alpha, because you know the. the and ironically, he ends up in quite a, you know, the worst situation than, than Howard Prime because he, he's locked up in that little room by mm. Ian and But he got there because he actually reacted against trying to integrate himself into Howard Prime's life. Mm. Um, and he recognised, that isn't my life. He isn't mm. me and I'm not him. We are actually two different people and you're not my Emily. Mm. So I'm going to mm. try my best to get home to my real life, to who I really am. Yeah. Um, and he is punished for it. Yeah. Accidentally kills Alexander Pope. And then um, in contrast to his more, I guess, inquiring and um, understanding relationship with his Emily's lover, this Emily's lover locks him up and is resentful. Yeah. So it's quite interesting that, because I, I mean, I think he's, he's kind of, to me, that's, his struggle is more an exploration of, well, actually, we are different. Those, you know, we may be, um, we may have had similar upbringings because at some some point, um, our lives were identical, and then decide and then be diverged, and that meant we are still fundamentally different people. Mm. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um... Do we have anything else really to speak about? Will we watch season two? I will. I will. We might not podcast it, but we will watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, so I, I definitely will, but I, I found it really interesting, right? Because there are some shows that make a really lasting impression on you. Um, and, like, and then there are some shows where when you watch, you kind of quite enjoy it. But then after you watch it, it's... There isn't that yeah, long-term pull. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely mm. felt that with Counterpart, because when I was watching it, I loved it, right? I actually really... Yeah. I know that there are there are issues with some aspects of the show, and I, I think... Um, look, I think Gerald is, as usual, quite severe, but... <laughs> um, uh, like, <laughs> like, his points... Like, I, I understand where he's coming from, right? Um, but, yeah, like... It's interesting, right? Because two, three weeks after we've watched the last five episodes, it just feels like a distant memory, right? Like, it, it really, like, you know, I, I really need to, to psych myself up to get in the position to want to talk about this show again. So, yeah, it's I, I definitely will watch it again, but it's definitely not one of these shows that just sits with you for a long time, right? I, 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 I don't know if that's a fair criticism or not, but, yeah. It is. I think, oh, look, I, I think part two let it down. Go on. Yeah, and I, I actually think it's it's partly the fact that um, it's a show that has a very interesting premise that throws up an interesting philosophical issue, but perhaps ultimately doesn't have too much that's interesting to say about 
those issues, mm. um, or or at least nothing that's new, original, or fresh um, about those particular issues. I, that's, I mean, to 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 uh, digress a bit. That's one of my problems with, say, um, Westworld. Um, you know, a show with an interesting premise that promises to explore uh, the nature of consciousness or what divides humanity from um, machines and really ultimately probably has very little of interest to say about those issues. And I think Counterpart, whilst not whilst not as hollow or empty or not as arguably hollow as, and empty as, as, as Westworld, suffers the same problem of, you know, sort of here, here are some interesting you know, knotty questions to ponder nature versus nurture. But ultimately, um, we don't get much more about that issue beyond the possi- beyond this, the proposition that maybe nature, maybe nurture, but it's just in, wouldn't it be just cool to see it work out? So, so I think part of it, part of it is, part of it is that, that, that the, the, the philosophical and thematic concerns of the show whilst interesting in the abstract, aren't given a particularly interesting treatment in the show. And as for, as for, so the real pleasure of the show is in watching um, a pretty well-crafted spy story. Mm. The, the, the problem, I suppose, is that we've seen a lot of well-crafted spy stories before, so it doesn't stand out um, for, for that either. So I think it's 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 those particular features of the show that that make it seem very pleasurable and interesting in the moment, but cause it to recede into the memory. Yeah, I, I'm going to say yeah, no, go, 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 go on, Darren. Okay, I'm going to say the look. Look, my fi- my final take on it is kind of the exact opposite of yours, Gerald. Like I totally, I can see where you're coming from from yours. Mine is just it's just the flip side of it, where I think it does have interesting thing to things to say about the thematic issues. I I think it's kind of stopped. I mean, part of it is nature versus nurture, but now I actually think a more interesting issue that's come out of it is that of self-loathing and this whole idea of. Well, they're not act. We keep saying they're different people, but there was a long time when they were the exact same person. And how 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 you reconcile that idea and what it means? I think it's actually a huge theme, and that it is a theme that's being developed. The problem is that it's being developed very slowly because the spy games take over so much of the time. And I'm not interested in the spy games, mm. Darren. Interesting, because I, 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 my view on this would be that um, I, my sense was that thematically they were trying actively to be ambiguous, to kind of play both sides, to kind of go, oh, well, both sides kind of have a... And it's kind of like artistically, it kind of is more, I guess, you know, it's that sort of... It's more profound in some ways to kind of not stake a hard position on some of these themes, right? To kind of go, oh, well, but all positions have kind of validity, right? I actually disagree with Gerald in that I feel that Westworld stakes more of a position on some issues, right? Mm. I think Westworld fundamentally puts a stake down and says the soul exists, (laughs) right? Mm. So, uh, I mean, Mm. I, I think that's a pretty big call, right? And a lot of the sort of games of Westworld kind of stem from that, right? But with this, they don't really put a step stake in the ground at, at all on any of these sort of big ideas that they bring up, right? And so as a result, you you, con- you constantly just have this sort of 
like plot points and themes. It's just constantly in a state of, well, let's ponder this, right? And in some ways, that's great, and it's it's probably artistically, like from an integrity perspective, it's yeah, good because there isn't definitely. like there isn't like a hard answer to these questions, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it also I, I feel like it makes it less memorable, right? Because um, because it's kind of like, well, it was a meditation on this thing, but you know, did the show really have a hard outcome to that meditation? Not really. It was kind of just more like you should meditate on it. <laughs> um, do you, do you guys get what I'm trying to say? Maybe yeah. Not. yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think that's ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. I yeah. think it's uh, yeah. you know it's sort of it's sort of it it, it it raises these issues but deals with them in such a sort of muted and arguably milk toast fashion that mm-hmm. uh, that 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 one is left wondering well what exactly is the show trying to say on these things? Mm. I have to like that. Like I don't want to be told things. Well, I want no, to be able. Fun. To think about things, which I'm not saying that you you don't, but I actually like the ambiguity because it lets me read deeper things into the show than what the showrunners may have necessarily thought of themselves, and I think that's intentional. And I really I like that part of it. But mm. yeah, mm. I guess that I think about the contrast with say the Fargo series, which also explores you know human nature and ambiguity and what happens when yeah, to a person who would ordinarily be a good person and then something happens, how they react to it and how mm. that changes who they are. Um, and I find, like, with the Fargo series, those um, different seasons have stayed with me and I think about them every now and then. So I don't know what it is about those characters and situations that I've really enjoyed. I don't know if it's because um, it's meant to be sort of ordinary life, whereas this is more fantasy. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But I think... I think, but, but I think part of the part of the the thing with that is that Fargo has a distinctive point of view. I mean, for my money, and I, I, I say this as someone who hasn't watched season three, but seasons one and two, the, the big takeaway out of that is even more scary than evil people are stupid people. Stupid people are the scariest, most malevolent force in all of humanity. And that's 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 an interesting proposition to say that mm. it's actually it's actually far more terrifying to be stupid than to be evil because and and stupid people cause far more damage than evil people. That's an interesting take and it's a point of view and it and it, it and it's it, and it's sort of staked out and the show dares you to laugh at it, to debate it, to disagree with it, mm. to be uncomfortable. And to, and just to, and to be and occasionally to be frustrated with it, whereas I don't think um, uh, counterpart does that with its thematic concerns. Yeah, mm. I, I would agree. I think Fargo. There is absolute ambiguity in Fargo, right? But I think Fargo definitely, in terms of its core theme, I think at the heart. Fargo is actually about good and evil, and that good and evil actually exist as concepts, right? Like, it's not just purely subjective morality, right? There's objective morality that is kind of at play. And mm-hmm. I think Fargo actually stakes, like, puts the stake in the ground and says, this is what my show is about, right? And I think that's what makes it so powerful. Like, in... And even mm-hmm. though it's... And I think Fargo also has the fact that it is so, like... I feel like the plot in Fargo goes faster than in Counterpart. Uh, I, anyway, mm. I, I get, look, I mean, we're not, yeah, we're not really talking about Fargo today, but 
for whatever reason, I felt the the plot in Fargo was more engaging and it was moving faster than Counterpart. Not to say, look, I still think for Counterpart. Look, let's, I mean, sign off on this, right? But my uh, my view is still that I think Counterpart is still a good show, and I think that more shows like it should be made because I think that throughout the season it had strong artistic integrity, right? It's just that mm. I, I probably like at the end of the day, I probably end like fall more on Anage's view, which is that I felt like the plotting was probably a little bit slow and, you know, they, they kind of like, sometimes they're not entirely sure whether they're a spy game show or like a show that is like about these thematic, deep thematic concerns. And it kind of flips, flip flops from time to time. And Mm -hmm. that feels a little bit disconcerting, but overall, definitely I would watch the second season. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Me too. Me too. Max. Sorry. Oh, I was just, no, I just said me too. I would too, despite everything. I think it was entertaining, and I find J.K. Simmons very seducing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, is there anything else we want to talk about, um, about Counterpart? Okay. No. Okay, on that note, thank you so much, everybody, for another very interesting discussion. Um, and we will see you guys soon um, to talk about something else. Uh, we're just not sure what that something else is right now but we will be back so um yeah if there is something that you guys desperately want us to talk about please try to get in touch with us and let us know but otherwise we'll be back in maybe a week or two to discuss either a movie or a tv show (laughs) so (laughs) so um thanks everybody for um chatting as usual um say bye everybody Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.